You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Family Business Podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. Um, I was really pleased to be joined on the show uh, this week by Ramia El Agami from Tharawak Magazine. Um, Ramia also has a media business. She is involved in a family business forum. Um, Thumbout Magazine is a global magazine that is jam-packed full of fantastic interviews and insights from other family businesses. And what I really wanted to do, and I'm going to do some future shows on this as well, is to highlight all the really great resources that are out there for family businesses. Um, We do hear that people feel as if they're on their own and that their family is the only family experiencing such and such an issue. And whilst um, your family members may be unique to your family, the issues and challenges that you might be facing are likely to have been shared by other businesses around the world. And people like Ramia who highlight and articulate these in such a fantastic way um, are, are there to help. And the resources that we point you to in this episode should also be um, really helpful. So there's, as I say, magazine, there's a family business forum, there is a Women in Family Business Initiative, and also a podcast, which we talk about in uh, in this show. So enough of me rambling on. I'll pass over to me to introduce the um, episode now. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, if you are enjoying the shows and you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. Um, it helps more people to find us, so please do that. Um, or get in touch via social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and the like. Um, more than happy to, to start a dialogue and some conversation around this. So without further ado, here's my interview. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Ramia from the Family Business Podcast, um, but the, the Tharawat Family Business Podcast. Um, so firstly, Ramia, um, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, where are we talking to you from today? Uh, well, thanks for having me, uh, Russell. We are um, currently I'm in the um, Swiss head office, I guess, of, wow. our, of our family business. So in Switzerland, in sunny Switzerland. Fantastic. Exceptionally. Yeah. And, and it's sunny here as well. In the UK, we get about seven days of sunshine a year. And, and one of those days is today. So uh, exceptional. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves at the moment. It's a bit, a bit unnerving. Um, but before we get into the um, detail of the show, for audience members that may not know um, sort of who you are and, and the projects that you're involved in, um, perhaps you could give us a, an introduction and some background as to how you uh, came to doing what you're doing today. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I think uh, the easiest way to start off uh, describing what I do is that I'm the second generation of a family business, which was founded by my mom and dad. So um, just to explain the, um, um, the incongruous, incongruous name, I guess. <laughs> so my father is Egyptian, my mom's Dutch, and, but we were born and raised in Switzerland. So we're like a typical, I guess, immigrant uh, family business story, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, so dad started a company about 30 years ago, which focuses on education solutions. Uh, he's worked a lot in emerging economies and with family businesses, actually. Uh, on providing education you know, frameworks for like uh, executives and um, and mid management, and so that took him all around the world. And he uh, started focusing very much on the family businesses because naturally they represented a very important pillar for all of these economies. And and uh, going for my father really fell in love, I guess, with um, you know the culture that could be found in family businesses, uh-huh. etc. I don't think he ever intended for himself to have one. Right. I feel like I'm not sure. Like you should probably interview him separately and ask him if this was his intention. I'd love to. I, I, I do feel like maybe there are some regrets in retrospect. But anyway, <laughs> either way, either way, Russ. Like we ended up joining Dad. Um, my older sister and myself. We ended up joining Dad in 2008, seven eight, and um, my youngest sister, uh, Shireen, she just joined the company about two and a half years ago. So it's all three of us are in uh, in the business now. So the three daughters have uh, 
have uh, taken up the, the the baton, if you will, like we've had our succession moment. Uh-huh. Um, Dad, when we joined, uh, decided that this was the, the, the ideal moment to sort of like expand on a few ideas that he had, like a typical founder slash entrepreneur. He had like a lot of dormant things that he couldn't do on his own. And so when we joined forces with him, he decided this was a great time to... Um, start two initiatives, which were the uh, Family Business Forum, the Sarawat Family Business Forum, uh-huh. uh, which is the still today the only um, independent nonprofit organization for family businesses in the Middle East, uh, which today is headed by my sister Farida. Uh, she's the GM, and that's based in Dubai. Uh-huh. So the, the Family Business Forum, the Sarawat Family Business Forum, really focuses on promoting sustainability, innovation, and growth for family businesses in the Arab world. And uh, we do that. We've been doing that for the last sort of like um, 11, 12 years. And it, it's very much a peer group. And if you will, our family is basically the, um, the steward uh, of, uh, of this network. And it's about enabling peer support between Arab families on, on, all, on all matters related to the family business. Uh-huh. And um, it's been a very, very rewarding journey for us as a family to be allowed to work with uh, uh, family businesses in the region and and who have also significantly contributed to creating a sort of a knowledge field, I guess, around Arab family businesses, which previously did not really exist as most of the research and, and interest has been very much focused in, I would say, just about every other region in the world yeah. except ours. So <laughs> we're fairly proud of having made a dent here in the first sort of like uh, creating knowledge around Arab family businesses. Absolutely. Um, so um, at the, around the same time, about 2008, my father, because my dad like is a, is a typical entrepreneur, he felt like, you know, just like running an association is enough work just for one daughter. So he decided to give me another task. And so he said, um, and I quote, he said, honey, create a newsletter. Right. Okay. Which somehow morphed into a print magazine, uh-huh. which somehow gets us to today where uh, we have a 10-year-old Tharawat magazine that attracts millions of readers a year uh-huh. on the website, print, and now podcast as well, as you nicely mentioned in the beginning. And um, so, yeah, so my, my task has really been the content creation globally around the family business subject. And our, our vision was to expand the conversation, I guess, again, beyond the sort of cultural confines that the family business field had known thus far. So uh, quite a, you know, if I may say, like maybe a little bit um, strongly Western uh-huh. approach yep. to a the discussion. And so what we wanted to do is to foster a truly global conversation. So that's uh, how Tarawab Magazine came into being. And today is, um, you know, bit of our star product really like we're quite proud of it as a family too and um so yeah so that's that's uh that's where we are today yeah and uh we've built a whole media company around that and obviously as a family business we do we do many things and we're just like you know your typical second gen sort of like you know, growing family business. We have all the same issues. We fight on our board meetings, like, you know, all the the cliches, we take all the boxes. We we really get it. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll pick up on this a a little bit later as well, but but in terms of uh, the success of things like the the forum and the magazine, um, I think it's quite... um, sort of insightful to, to see that, you know, it started as a, the concept being a newsletter and now it's a hugely successful worldwide um, magazine. The, the forum itself, we're not talking about something that is, you know, based in a coffee shop, are we? This, this is something that is, is held um, in uh, the, the Middle East and attracts numerous families. Um, they're, they're big events. We're not talking, you know, kind of, um, sat around a, a coffee table talking, are we? It's it, it's a mm. it's a big thing, which I think is testament to the um, I guess the passion that you have around the family business field, because you wouldn't be able to make it as big a success if if that wasn't the case. I'm I'm assuming. Well, I think it's very kind of you to put it that way. I think it's um, to be honest, and a little bit related to what I just said before. Um, We've come from a place of authenticity, mm. I guess, which in this field, I think, was hugely important for us to gain the traction and the impact that we've been able to generate. Yeah. Um, we've always seen it, though, as a very collaborative um, approach. Mm-hmm. 
from for us what's always been like look i mean the success of the magazine belongs um to every single family that has been willing to share their story that's always been my my sort of like view of things because you know it takes courage to talk about what you do it takes even more courage to sometimes talk about where you failed which a lot of families have done as the honor in, in sharing with us mm. and and i think it's um it's building that community that community that feels equally responsible i guess for the content that we put out or the events that we generate um building that community has been crucial in attaining that 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 well you know to a certain extent perceived but also real success i guess yeah. um, and also i think it's just a lot of hard work right like russ you know it yourself with your podcast and and what you're doing in terms of content it's just i i think there's nothing romantic about this it's just like you know generating over a thousand articles over the span of 10 years yeah. is a lot of work yeah, absolutely. and uh, especially if all of those articles are original content and uh, you know have, have not really been published before and and i think i think it's that sort of like a stubborn um lunacy that is called entrepreneurship <laughs> yeah. that sort of runs through our veins that enabled us to um be almost stupidly in love i guess with that initial idea that dad had and you know i never say no to my father which i really should start doing uh -huh. by the way because it's not like he's always right but like it's in this in this particular case it's been more than rewarding i would say yeah and i think you touched on a really uh, important point there on the um, authenticity of it um, because th there is a danger if, if you were approaching things in a non-authentic way where you were asking family businesses to share their stories that perhaps weren't as um, all good news and, and all sunshine uh, as, um, as they can be, it, it would be easy to become accused of, um, you know, putting family businesses in a tank and prodding them. And, and you know, it's that collaboration and that authenticity helps to, um, push the field forward, I think, because if you're doing it from that kind of place, there's mm. no um, real barrier. F families feel safe talking to you and, and sharing their ideas because it's not something that they they feel they're being put in the, the spotlight for for the wrong reasons. Yeah, hopefully that's the uh, feeling that we're providing them with. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So th there's also obviously a lot for us to uh, to cover today in terms of the, the numerous roles that you have. Um, if, <laughs> if we can start with the the forum and have a li little bit more detail on um, that side of things. So, so that, that came about through the work that your dad was doing and now um, your sister uh, Frida is doing that as well. Exactly. So... Um, the forum was, um, if you will, it's a very important chapter in our own family business, I would say, because it was from the beginning a collaboration. So the forum, we co-founded it basically with some of the leading family businesses in the region mm -hmm. um, who all felt that there needed to be at least one place where the dialogue referred specifically to our cultural context. And you have to understand, like, we, the reason why uh, I would say, like, I'm emotionally and also, like, I would say intellectually extremely attached to the forum is because we started this in 2006, seven, and Frida and I, we joined in 2008 and um, to, like, actually take on executive roles, if you will. And you have to understand, I don't know if you know much about what's happened in the Middle East between that time and today, mm. but, um, we, you know, we we were there witnessing the whole Arab uprising, yeah. et cetera. The whole Arab Spring was there. Um, we've had wars, we've had a conflict. We've also had incredible innovation, mm -hmm. which also has to be mentioned because we tend to focus too much on the conflict. Um, but it's been a very turbulent time yeah. to say least, right? Like, so the, the financial um, crisis has also had vast implications as to how our economies work, interact or stopped interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's also one of the reasons what's important to mention about the forum is that we've made it a, so a, a, for the whole Arab world, instead of just focusing, say, on one of the three sub-regions or on one country, uh -huh. because this has truly been the vision of my father. Um, he really truly believes that the way forward for our region is um you know to behave like a unified region yeah. basically so to understand that we are uh, essentially we have here the opportunity of being uh, a huge economic power if we could certain certainly lay certain differences aside and and my father has always believed and we join him in that belief that the family businesses are 
significant contributors to eventual stability mm-hmm. for our region. Because as we know, we can't rely on, you know, the, the, the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that, um, so, so this was like, you know, this was sort of the driving force, the driving sort of like vision, I guess, behind it. And what we've started doing with the forum, and this is all like, you know, this is so experimental all the time, to be honest with you, it keeps on changing and evolving because I think the nature of the association has fundamentally changed over the last 10 years as well, right? Like, so this is a a fascinating thing. I think the idea of... um, of providing people with another club membership or say like another event um, is is probably not very constructive mm-hmm. because, um, you know, people are just so busy and they get like pulled in all directions. And especially people that we deal with who have, who were in the Middle East, a lot of the time the owning family has operational roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the family business, which means that these are executives. So asking them to take out time from their calendars to join events or, or like, you know, to share content is, it's a big deal. Yeah. So, so my sister Farida has been very aware of this and she's uh, together with my younger sister, Shireen, who's also based in Dubai in our, um, in our uh, innovation space for family businesses down there, which is basically a, you were saying before, it's, it's quite big. It is actually big physically because mm. it's a warehouse. It used to be a warehouse, wow, okay. nothing, nothing fancy, but like, it's just, <laughs> it's big by the nature of its you know, previous use basically. So um, it's a refurbished warehouse whereby we've created sort of innovation space for family businesses there to gather. We hold a lot of our events there as well. Um, so we wanted to do things differently. And I think Frida has been extremely successful in creating um, content and events in formats that are very appealing to people. Mm. So we definitely try and target across the generations. We definitely try and have very specific discussions for um, specific topics. Like, you know, we've just done a summit in collaboration with GE on um how family businesses deal with digitalization and disruption in their industries, which has been a hugely, hugely interesting conversation to have. And and if you think that in the audience, you'll have families from Algeria, Egypt, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Oman, and all at such different stages of that conversation and trying to help each other out, um, you know, to get to that next level or to like, you know, gain an insight into, and some of them have already started, others are really far behind the conversations that are being generated are hugely interesting Mm. and very, very important. And um, I think like the best way that, um, um, the best way that I think our our Sudanese members have once uh, described it is they said like, it feels like our family has just grown exponentially because they feel it feels re, it feels like a family as well yeah. on the inside of the forum which is probably also one of the reasons why we've protected it so much from the outside world if you will so yeah. it's a very it's a very closed door affair in order to generate you know probably the asset that is the rarest in the middle east which is trust mm. So we've, we've generated that with a lot of care and, and Frida is doing, in my opinion, very biased opinion about my sister, of course, but <laughs> she's doing an amazing job at curating the content and creating experiences rather than just like, you know, straightforward lecturing and, and sort of like, uh, you know, events like we know them in the classical uh, form. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's lots for people to learn from that if they're looking at doing something similar themselves in terms of, of hosting things to, to try and help support family businesses is to to not make it about you as the individual, you as the company, it's to exactly. make it about mm-hmm. the, the people that are going to be attending because, exactly. as you mentioned, our time is precious. So to to be asked to give it up, to be lectured to or sold to, is um, it's not going to last long, is it? Exactly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so it, one of the things um, you haven't mentioned so far but but i believe to be um the case is you're you're also the co-founder of women in family business is that right oh yeah yeah i just uh <laughs> i thought i'd let you bring it up yeah. <laughs> i wanted you i wanted you to be the first one to mention it in the conversation <laughs> bring it up casually and yeah. naturally right like so um, just like i've done <laughs> yes so, you know ladies and gentlemen this was not prepared yeah. i did not there was no cue here. Um, so I think that uh, women and family business was something, the, the idea was initially conceived between my uh, sister Farida and a uh, family business member um, from Colombia, uh, Ana Maria Matayana uh-huh. Bojo, who found herself in the situation of being the in-law 
in a family business setting. Right. Um, and Frida and Anna, they met and it was such an interesting conversation to have with Anna because Anna provided that very much neglected perspective of having married into a family business and, and what that meant. And, and we started talking with Anna like more and more and more and we realized that you know, the women and family business subject has been touched upon, but very much from the typical gender issue, glass ceiling oh. perspective that you would expect, right? Like, so very much, well, I'm very sorry, Ross, to say, but very much like men would approach the subject, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's some sort of a, you know, some sort of a thing that you have to touch with gloves. And I think that <laughs> what, we wanted, what we wanted to do really with women and family business was to... Um, change, I guess, the conversation, mm -hmm. make it more accessible, make it more about like what it is really like. And so uh, Women and Family Business was then co-founded by us and Anna. And um, we now have a, a lovely committee that spans across all the continents in the world who is helping us put together, again, basically the emphasis on content, I would say, because um, it's very hard to have a conversation without generating content mm. first, right? Like I think this is, or like capturing that conversation and turning it into content because I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of hot air around a lot of knowledge fields mm -hmm. uh, because people like to um, make sweeping generalizations, like to, you know, say, if you will, quote unquote, sexy things, you know, <laughs> to make it sound like, you know, uh, important Uh, but really, there's nothing, there's no way around the hard work of actually gathering as many stories as possible, as many perspectives as possible in order to create an informed view, yeah. right? Like on such an important subject, like the role of women in, and I would say around the family business, because of course, what we're trying to invite very much is uh, talking to also the women who are not actively involved, say, in the family business, but end up raising the next generation, for instance, uh -huh. which, depending on the cultural context, can be very much the case. Um, so, yeah, so so we basically wanted to open this up to um, a different perspective. And there we've, uh, so we, we now have, like, regular content coming out. We, uh, we work with other women's associations around the world, so amongst others, Female Focus in London, with uh, Amy Katz from Daughters in Charge in the U.S., uh -huh. and... Uh, we're about to uh, start working with an association in Lebanon as well. So it's very collaborative again, and it's about generating that conversation globally again and to make women realize that definitely you're not alone. Uh, your family isn't the craziest one in the bunch, <laughs> which is very comforting for us. Like you yeah. do need to hear that from time to time, you know, because it's very, uh, it gets lonely. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. Gets lonely. So uh, we've launched a podcast on that as well, uh, which is called Women in Family Business. Fairly obvious, I understand yeah. that, but at least it, it's to the point, let's put it this way. Yeah. Um, so um, someone once told me, why don't you call it Women in, in Family Enterprise? And then I asked them to read out the acronym. <laughs> It basically says why. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's not go there, shall we? Um, so yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, that's basically WIFB, and we're super proud on the uh, momentum that's generated. I think there's the general feedback we've gotten on that content and on that conversation has been relief, mm. which is interesting. Enormous relief from a lot of women feeling understood and heard, and and um, and you know. Uh, like for lack of a better description, a bit warm and fuzzy around the yeah. fact that, you know, um, we've all been there and we've all like, we all have like similar stories and, and yet again, very different and that there is a sort of a community there for them to join and to interact with. And, and we like to connect women to each other. So like, you know, what we like to do is to um, recently we've connected this, this girl in India with this, uh, with this woman in Venezuela um, because they had very similar stories. They, they had to deal with very similar sort of like context. And one of them was clearly further ahead in dealing with the issue at hand. Uh -huh. And the other one was struggling. So we connect them with each other and a sort of like a voluntary mentorship relationship um, emerged from that. And I think that's just beautiful, isn't Fantastic, it? Fantastic, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what you want, right? So. And, and how do you go about, um, you know, moving into different geographical areas? Because... The, the areas that you're you're talking about with Colombia and India and and you know the, the fact that the magazine has a global reach is that does the content come first or do discussions happen that then lead to those doors opening? How do you sort of um, spread your wings into those areas? 
Mm, well, Russ, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever thought about that for one second. Right. <laughs> to be honest, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think this is maybe a little bit of byproduct of being a mixed race child that never grew up in either of the countries we were originally from. Uh -huh. I, maybe we see the world in a very different way. Yeah. Like we don't really see borders, I guess. Like it's not for us, it's all just people. Uh -huh. And maybe that sort of like, maybe that is felt, I guess. Like, I, mean, I don't know if people just feel that, that there's this sort of like total openness to the understanding the culture and understanding their I don't know. I actually, I really, I genuinely don't know, Russ. Like, okay. I, maybe like someone else would. Maybe you should talk to someone else from my family. <laughs> I don't think we have a methodology, except from again that it comes from a genuine place of interest. And I think when there's genuine interest, you know, the funny thing is that content tends to find you. Yeah. Right. Like that's. I think that's the beauty of it. The stories find you because it becomes like a magnet almost, right? Like it becomes like, um, yeah, it's some sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. Like you say you're global and you behave globally and, you know, the content finds you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's in our sort of limited experience on, on the podcast side of things, you, you pick up um, kind of articles from people in Australia or Germany or um, for us a, a lot in the um, North America and, and Canada. And then you just reach out and say, do you fancy coming on the show? And they're like, yeah. You're like, wow, okay. You know, you, you, I almost expect a little bit more resistance on it. And I think it is that um, just by asking and having the communication and coming from an authentic place um, mm. sort of serves well. And I, I find it strange. Here in the UK, we have literally regional barriers between counties, which... Yeah, yeah. Devon and Cornwall, which are next door to where I am, still argue over which way round to have cream on their cream tea and things like that. <laughs> and, and yet we're part of this huge sort of um, world that, that is um, open and available to us. And I think what you're doing is highlighting that actually we're all closer than perhaps we um, give ourselves credit for. Um, definitely yeah but i think though that to be fair right like the very by its very nature the family business is a very much localized phenomenon right mm. like and i think this is this is something that um it probably also generates that feeling a bit sometimes that you know how, how can it be this global because it's very um I mean, a family business will be so embedded in its own community, right? Like yeah. usually it will have like its biggest impact. It will, it will have been been in the same place for like, I don't know, sometimes centuries, right? Like uh -huh. it has a huge impact locally. Um, but our stance has always been, as you say, very justly that that doesn't mean the conversation can't be global, yeah. right? Like so while, and, and I think every family business likes taking out of themselves sometimes. Like I think they really enjoy it uh -huh. that, you know, to recognize a similar problem well, as you said, like if you're a family business in Cornwall, and if you realize that, you know, a construction company in Philadelphia has similar issues, I think, I think it's weirdly comforting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like sort of a, uh, oh yeah, okay, see, and, and, and even to get like examples of how to do things, so how to go about innovation, how to go about disruption, how to go about, you know, succession. Those kind of inspirations can come from the strangest places. And I think that's what we've been able to prove, if you will, without mm. diminishing the importance of a family business, of course, having to be highly relevant within its own context, which is naturally, it's part of how it works, right? Like yeah. it's part of how, how, how the whole family business success is built, I guess. Yeah. Fantastic. And you mentioned um, some of your uh, topics that you talked about. One, one in particular is the digitalization. Mm. Um, do you see many differences in terms of geographical areas in when it comes to attitudes around digitalization or the the sort of implementation of it? Because it, again, that is a global issue. We're, the technology is moving on so fast that um, we we have to be able to keep up with it. And I'm just curious as to whether there's any trends or or anything, any insights you can share on that. Well, that's a very complex question, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I would I would really refrain from making any sweeping statements here, to be honest. But okay. I think that what we definitely see is that it is a deep global concern. And um, the question for me sometimes is a little bit if it's justifiably a concern or if it should 
um, generate rather more excitement than it does. Actually, mm. I, I think I think it's something that can't be stopped at all. Uh, I think it's a phenomenon that, like you know, we are living through an industrial revolution. Um, I don't think that there's any need to panic. To mm. be honest with you, um, it's just a matter of, I guess, doing what family businesses have always done, which is to you know, assess the status quo, see how emerging technologies can improve that status quo and going with that. I mean, not everything applies to everyone. I think I think if you if you ask me about trends in different places, I think the global phenomenon is the confusion. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, so, uh, like, confusion is global about this subject. I feel like family business from all over the world that I've spoken to, you have those few notable examples that sort of, like, hacked it, I guess, for themselves, where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we get it. Um, and then you have others where like definitely there's a struggle as to just identifying the where to start, uh, you know, where to start with this process and where to start looking into a digitization and digitalization. I think uh, from, from, a, from, of course, like if I had to like point out maybe role models here, and, and I think this also very much depends on the kind of government a country has mm-hmm. and what the stance of sort of like, you know, the government is on these things. Role models for me in setting the tone are definitely Germany, of course, which is entirely focused on next economy opportunities. And with that, I guess, has sort of also forced the the private sector a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but I think German family businesses as a, as a rule are just, um, are wonderful. I mean, I find them just inspiring, right? Like, especially the SME sector is just like, it's, it's a constant source of innovation by naturally, even without considering the the, the, the current context of apparently rapid change. Yeah. I think Germany, I think, you know, the Netherlands definitely also very much have very much embraced all that's uh, a new, uh, quite an open attitude to innovation. Again, this, these are sweeping generalizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Middle East, we, of course, we see that the UAE, um, uh, so Dubai, et cetera, are setting the tone, um, you know, setting the bar fairly high. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, though, that every family business you'll meet there will have that outlook, right? Sure. Like, and will yeah. have that sort of, like, attitude. And I think, but I also think that the reality that comes with that, Russ, is to be, and, and this might sound harsh, is that, you know, like my father would say, like, there's going to be big winners and big losers mm-hmm. in the next few years. And I, I do believe that, while I don't think that everyone needs to start 3D printing or using virtual reality or whatever, yeah. um, if you don't sort of like at least get the basics of digitization right, um, that is going to have a like a severe impact mm. on your business in the next five to 10 years. And we're actually just about to come out with our next issue of the magazine, which has a special feature on big data. Fantastic. So, um, We've editorially also like to sort of totally adapted to the fact that this subject must be understood by the family business community and must be made accessible. Yeah. Um, so that idea of that digitalization and digitization are black boxes for family businesses just because they might not be in tech or something like that uh-huh. is nonsense. It doesn't have to be right. Like so, I think that's where the magazine is also like trying to um, to be of you know to be supportive in that in that conversation. Mm. Yeah. And I guess how, talking about the the magazine in a little more detail now, obviously it's an incredible resource. Um, not only the, the there's print version, there's digital versions uh, as well, and the articles are on um, your website. Mm. Where do you go about sourcing ideas for content for that? Because I mean, we've been speaking about digitization, and you've been just mentioned there about big data. Uh, are you kind of looking at the issues that you're hearing family businesses are uh, facing challenges with and thinking, okay, let's dig deep into there, or, or is there an, another methodology to it? Well, I think uh, in conjunction with the topic of big data, we like uh, we practice what we preach, I guess. Like we very much look into the data that we generate from our readers mm-hmm. so what is of interest to our readers what do they focus on and that's what we tend to give them more of so there are trends right like so we we're of course like any like any media company will tell you we're basically like a we're data we're da- we're, in, we're in the business of data mm-hmm. ourselves so we we look very much at reader trends and we have of course i have uh, hundreds of conversations a year with with family businesses to understand their their deep concerns generally very clear clear patterns emerge um 
we've stayed on the safe side of being prescriptive, I would say. Like we very much uh, have a storytelling approach with uh-huh. the magazine. Yeah. Um, we do tend to be very careful in giving that direct advice type content, uh, at least not from our end. So we would curate some expert content there. Um, our premise has always been like, you know, you learn family businesses. No one understands a family business like another family business. Mm-hmm. And I think that, so that hence our storytelling approach has always been very strong. And, and we've tried to find, you know, case studies, I guess, that are appealing to people, right? Like, so if you see like, like we'll have a web article on, on, the, on the feud in the Gucci family, and it's so funny because it's such a, it's such a dramatic story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's, of course, like, 99% of family businesses will never be able to remotely identify with that kind of extent of conflict. Yeah. And yet, if you'd see the popularity of a story like that, it does give you like the insight as to, I mean, I have family businesses writing to me, telling me like, Oh my God, I love that story. And if <laughs> you're trying to figure out why, I guess there's, again, there's this sense of like relief that, you know, again, this the is, crazy is not isolated. Yeah. Like it's general and it's, um, so yeah, so again, we're not as bad as we thought we were in terms exactly, of relationship. Like, you know, yeah. Which uh, I, I, of course, I'm in this very comfortable position that I know that my family uh, is, uh, you know, well, you know, we're all a bit insane, I guess, but mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> but I, I've always known through the job that I do that we are definitely not alone and that everyone deals with that. And and I think, uh, uh, yeah, so I think I think it's very much focused. It's very much data driven, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. It's very much focused on what the what the reader is trying to tell us they want. Because as I said, I think it's very, publishing this kind of content is about leaving your ego at the door. Yeah. Um, you cannot be here to tell people what they think they should be interested in. People mm-hmm. are interested in certain things. Family businesses know best as well for themselves what kind of content right now can help them. And our role is then to sort of like attract them to say like the publication through that content and then expand the horizons through additional related reading that we think could further, you know, further help them. So mm. things that they might not have thought of. But the initial task is really to, you know, uh, find the pressure points, uh, address them in, in the most compelling way. And with that sort of like, you know, make people aware that we're, that we're here and that, uh, that we're here to stay because, you know, this, this year is our 10-year anniversary, mm. which we're prodigiously proud of, of course. And rightly so. A huge thing for us yeah, yeah there, there, there went my 20s russ there went my 20s that's it <laughs> <laughs> and it's over <laughs> there it was gone <laughs> and it's gone <laughs> so you mentioned in your introduction um that your father uh, is very entrepreneurial uh, yeah. and that seems to be coming across with um, you and your siblings as well that there's this sort of entrepreneurial mindset that that exists um, uh, amongst the family, uh, and was that sort of part of the, the driving force behind you know starting Orbis Terra Media and um, the, the media side of the business, or was that through again a necessity to to do something uh, different? Um, I think you know any family business might be able to relate to this, um, and I I tend to be very frank about these things. It's not like we are from the outset planned for this to go this way. We are entrepreneurs and we prove that we're entrepreneurs because we adapt. Mm. We adapt all the time. And this is not the last shape or form that our family business is going to take. And, you know, it's growing, it, then it stops growing, then we, we get in, we get out. Like it's, it's, it's a very, we're very agile, I guess, as an entrepreneurial family. Mm-hmm. And I think this has been, this has served us very well, especially because of course you have to understand for us that my father, darling that he is, uh, told me essentially to start a print publication in 2008. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can relate to the, the, the incredible hubris that was involved in that decision yeah. <laughs> because pretty much 2008 was when the whole um, iPad era was starting to peak and where yeah. publishing well, publishing, quite frankly, died. Um, and so it's, it's very sad. And I always tell people, yes, we all attended the funeral for many years. And I think that um, so publishing in its traditional form definitely like took a massive hit. So I was suddenly part um, of, uh, you know, as someone just graduated university, I was suddenly part of this uh, industry in full disruption where nobody could tell me anymore 
how to run a magazine because mm -hmm. it had fundamentally changed because advertising revenues had all but dried up and uh, definitely you coming to the market with a new title that wasn't established was probably not the right way to go about generating revenues. Okay. And uh, we then felt, we of course uh, irrationally, uh, as a family business, deeply irrationally might I add, um, I, could be much, I could be much wealthier as I'm telling you. So <laughs> irrationally, um, we were very attached to the idea of creating something so original and so pure in its intent that, uh, you know, we've never accepted paid content. And okay. so I think, um, so everything you read in Tharawab magazine is um, unpaid. So unless it actually says advertorial smack button, you know, on the top, basically, uh -huh. uh, it's all very clearly, um, um, it's all original. And, and I think, I think, I think that, we maybe like anticipated that trend coming back because today we are in very good stead with having that huge inventory of original content because yeah. that whole era of, um, um, I'll call it the Buzzfeed era. It's maybe not very justified because those guys also do a great job in their own way, but like mm -hmm. it's, it's still with that sort of like mashable Buzzfeed time of publishing yeah. came of course the repurposed content, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you read the same content everywhere. And I think, um, and I think that's sort of like slowly like going, going back again. So we're, we're very happy that we stuck to our principles, but, but of course, um, that wasn't a business model anymore. And we are, of course, we are business people. Mm. So we thought about ways to, um, to make sure that we can safeguard the integrity of the magazine. Uh, while, you know, continuing to use the skills that we developed as publishers. And so that's how Orbis Terra Media was born. And just to explain, I don't know if anyone speaks fluent Latin. I hope so. Many listeners should. <laughs> I recommend it. Orbis Terra essentially is the Latin word for global or slash, you know, all uh -huh. over, everywhere, okay. which of course uh, like um, stands for a lot of our own sort of like culture as a family, I guess. Uh -huh. um, so Orbis Terra Media and, and, and stands for global and, and because we believe that one of the most one of the clearest qualities of good content is that it's globally applicable mm. or that it can reach a global audience if you will and so what we've done there is we've opened up a, next to our publishing activities we've opened up a content studio if you will and we now also work as a outsourced content studio and content strategist uh, for other companies mm. around the world and um, encouraging them in turn to create relevant and original content and to, you know, to the benefit again of the wider audience, hopefully. And so, yeah, so this is how the, um, the company is now growing is one of our faster growing companies. I'm, I'm happy to say. Yeah. And uh, so we've sort of like uh, been able to turn things around for ourselves as a, like, you know, uh, from the publisher's uh, nightmare and drudge, we've been able to, to come back with, uh, with this new business model and it's been working really well. Mm. And the thing I'm, I'm picking up through our conversation as well is that as well as creating all of the um, fantastic content that you do via the various different um, sort of um, streams, you're uh, a shining example yourself as a family in a family business of adapting and uh, evolving as a, as a, a business family. Uh, and we often hear that that's not always the case in um, sort of the, the less successful or those businesses that tend to struggle or those that mm -hmm. don't adapt to this. So, so not only are you a shining example of that, you're also kind of documenting that in, in the content that you're creating as well. Yeah, I think, you know, Russ, like I was just speaking yesterday, um, actually doing a podcast yesterday with, with, a, with, a, with an Italian um, immigrant in Canada and, uh -huh. um, we were talking about the fact that these, the conversation around immigrant family businesses maybe hasn't involved so much yet. So we, we're not having that conversation very clearly yet. You have to understand that when, when you have the kind of cultural background that we do, um, adapting is inherent. Mm. It's in our DNA, right? Like we've never had the luxury of belonging, I guess. Uh -huh. um, and I think it stood us in excellent stead <laughs> for our business because, you know, we don't, we understand that change is required and it's constant and, and we understand that we have to continuously evolve. And I think it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's the, the whole culture of our, of our business is, is based on that. Mm -hmm. And my parents have, have done a, a wonderful job in showing how, um, 
you know, two such vastly different cultures under one roof can can operate under the same values and, and can be so so happy together. Quite frankly, they're nauseating, I have to say. But like, uh, <laughs> seriously, it's like ridiculous to, to live up to. My, my, my husband and I, we try, but we really like, really? you know, we're, we're a more realistic version, I think. <laughs> um, so, um, so I think that you know, the, you have to understand the driver, of course, from from a from an immigrant point of view, is always survival. So yeah. you tend to be much more um, pragmatic, I guess, as well, because you don't really have the luxury of, um, you know, that that's again that sense of belonging. And I think that mm. has that has played a huge role. I think about this a lot, actually, and only recently I've sort of like categorized us into that into that place where I say like this this might be one of the reasons why we are. Um, you know, as insane as we are, and, and quite frankly, I just want, I also don't want to create like the wrong impression here. Seriously, guys, like we are everything a family business should not be at the same time, right? Like, so we're also like, you know, we have plenty of issues, communication breaks down regularly, and like we're we're like we're really one of you, and uh, we get it. Um, trust me, honestly, like you know, I could um, kill uh, several of my family members multiple times a day but that's i think that's it's it's part of it right like it's part P- of um, to the job isn't it yeah oh yeah it's, it's, um, <laughs> of course i would never i would never want it differently i would never go back i would do this all over again hmm. and exactly in the same way so i think that's a very rewarding place to be um you know at this stage yeah yeah completely and you mentioned the podcast there and, and interviewing um people and um, uh, we said at outset that you you, um, you have a family business podcast that, that you do as well, which um, has some incredible stories, again, from family businesses all over the world. Um, what is it that you love most about podcasts? I mean, we, we're chatting on a podcast now, and I think what I find brilliant is because of technology, we can talk to anybody anywhere in the world and mm. have a conversation, record it and put it out there for people to, to have a listen to if they want to. And I, I find that fascinating, but there's um, different sort of um, motivations and benefits from podcasts. I'm just interested in understanding what you, know, what you love about it. Well, what I love about it is that um is the fact that people can finally hear everything that I got to hear all these years. Mm. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like family business members, when they give me those interviews or like when they give my team, those interviews would just move you to tears when you talk to them. And, you know, the responsibility of trying to transmit that emotion in writing was always very burdensome to me, to be honest with you, where I felt like, you know, are people really getting this? I Mm. mean, I, I can tell you like the, um, one of the reasons why I was grateful when we decided to launch the podcast last year was, gosh, people are finally going to be able to, to hear what I hear. Yeah. And, and like the warmth of people's voices or how they like, you know, how they are passionate about things and how they, how they fumble and mumble. And, and it's just so human. Mm. It's just so human. And I think voices are, are everything. I think voices are the essence of storytelling and storytelling is the essence for the continuity of the family, because it is that conjunction between always striving forward and innovating and at the same time telling the story of everything that we've done and where we come from that makes that magic, right? Like that makes that sort of incredibly, I would say like ineffable quality that makes family business so incredibly charming, by the way, mm. like, which is also why it's so easy to create content on family businesses because it's just, you know, it's, it's an endless, endless, um, endless circle of, of, of wonderful anecdotes and, and uh, sometimes sad, sometimes happy. Mm. So yeah, I guess that, that was for me, you know, sort of that, to be honest, like also relief, because in a way that responsibility was like, you know, lightened a bit in the sense that you had, you were the only interpreter of, you know, someone's thoughts and emotions. And so the podcast, I fully agree with you, Russ, that I think that technology has enabled us to, in a way, make even deeper connections between people in that, in that sense. So yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, And are there any particular episodes that you're especially proud of i got asked this um on an interview uh, last week you did and it's like <laughs> okay. it's like picking one of your 
one of your kids as a favourite. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pick one episode. So I feel a little bit um, naughty asking you the question uh, to, to do the same. But is, is there a particular episode or something that you've learned from, from somewhere that you're particularly proud of? Well, I mean, I agree with you a bit there that it's like almost like asking me if I have a favorite family business yeah. and I just really don't, right? It's like, I mean, that's impossible. I yeah. mean, I, I honestly, like, I, I've loved them all, to be honest, and, mm. and it's and I've learned from all of them. So, but I think that there are moments in conversations that resonate very strongly with with one. And I think that... Um, I can I can safely say that you won't be disappointed if, for instance, you listen to the interview we did with Gary Guitard uh -huh. from Guitard Chocolates, um, who took me entirely by surprise when he uh, uh, when he told me about um, you know his his father and brother dying within six months of each other, uh -huh. and how he was suddenly alone sitting in that office where they used to sit the three of them together. And, you know, those are moments where you're just like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, you know, you're sitting there in that conversation, like you need to pull it together, but it's, it takes you by surprise because you didn't know. And um, I think that moment where he just tells that, the way he told it as well, which was just like such a, it was just so courageous. I always feel like people underestimate how much courage it takes to actually say these things yeah. and, and share these things with like whole audience and, you know, Similarly, I recommend that, that the other podcast that I did with um, an academic in Spain, um, um, uh, Professor Seja, and she spoke about how to generate happiness in the family business. And mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved how she sort of like made a science out of happiness, generating happiness in the family business, which yeah. is equally inspiring. So overall, no favorites. I think just um, there are highlights in every conversation that will resonate with different people. And mm. I think, um, so we're definitely expanding on the podcast side. We're rebranding it as well because I don't know if you've heard, but there's this other podcast called the family business podcast, which is <laughs> yeah. creating enormous amounts of confusion. I don't know why, like, and I need to figure out who's behind this. <laughs> yeah. If I, if so. I hear who it is, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just like, like you bring the guy to me, I like, if you find him. So it's like London uh, buses though, isn't it? It's like you wait yeah, all yeah. these years for a family uh, business person and all of a sudden uh, two turn up at once. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's giving us quite a lot of trouble, you know? So I'm just like, you know, no, anyways, I mean, but to be honest with you, the decision to rebrand is as well um, for uh, for various reasons, which we're going to be happy to share as well in the in the in the next few weeks. Um, it's all it's all about like creating um, original content on every possible channel, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so and I think voice, as you very justly pointed out, I think voice has this ability of being a companion um, for people. You know much more consistently, I guess, than any other kind of, you know, channel we've had before. Yeah. Um, you know, video demands so much attention, um, you know, reading does too, etc. Whereas, you know, the voices of people can go with you wherever you are, whether you're yeah. in your car and your commute, um, you know, actually sitting at home or at the office. And I think, I think that's the power of it. So we're, we're definitely, um, you know, we love seeing uh, your podcast come up. We love seeing any other podcast related to the subject come up because we really believe that this is um, the next frontier in reaching family businesses and encouraging them and, and, you know, and giving them the support that they truly deserve. And because after all, like, you know, we're talking here about like the main pillars of any national economy, like, okay. and so family businesses deserve attention. They deserve support and they deserve that conversation uh, yeah. and, and that relevant conversation. I agree, and I, I think as well. What, what's again? We've touched on it a few times throughout the the chat today. The collaboration side of things as well. It's, I mean, it'd be very easy for, for us to have gone. Oh no, we can't do a podcast now because there's another one that's called the same as us, or because we're called the same. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, and, it's Russ actually who's yeah. called. <laughs> that's the same thing. So yeah. So. But 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 we had a chat when when we first launched. We, we had a yeah. chat that, and said, you know, there's no, it's not a com competition. We're we're Absolutely. we're doing it for the same reasons. And actually, um, I think that there has been some benefit from us um, sort of both doing it at the same time. Oh and yeah, no, the, I think the and content's also, always different as well. And and. Um, yeah, and I think none of us have the arrogance of assuming that what we what we share or what we create is relevant to everybody. I think that different voices resonate with different people. Completely. And uh, if, you, as you said, if your if your vision is to add value to the family business community, then you understand that diversity is key. So mm. other players need to be there. And yeah. I think it's also we're holding each other to higher and higher standards by there being more of us, right? Yeah, like completely. I think 
this is very important. Standards are very important. Like these monopolies on, on that kind of content have not been beneficial in the past. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think I mentioned um, off air um, Ellie Fry's Abel's podcast as well, Successful Generations, which um, I've recently discovered. She's 27, 28 episodes in. Um, and uh, that's that's another great resource as well for people to, to check out. And when you consider the size of the, the f- sort of family business um, as, as a collective across the world, mm-hmm. there are maybe three, four, five. There's probably a couple of other um, podcast series as well that, that we aren't aware of that are out there talking to that same audience. There's plenty mm-hmm. of space there for people to come along and, and create meaningful and interesting content. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you entirely. I think we'd best um, also try and do that together yeah. more than more often than not. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> you mentioned earlier on that you try to avoid sweeping generalizations and, and the like. <laughs> so again, this, this next question um, may not be uh, one that you um, sort of uh, want to answer, uh, but if you could offer family business is a single tip from the lessons you've learned uh, through the various uh, bits of content you create what would that be or would you have one for example you know I've been um, it's interesting you should ask me that actually because I've been thinking about um, being enormous sample I guess of conversations we've been through over the last 10 years of course when you have an anniversary coming up it's a bit of a you know, looking yourself in the mirror moment. Yeah. And um, I was actually asking myself exactly that question, Russ. I was asking myself, so after all of these years and literally hundreds of conversations with family businesses, probably no thousands now, Mm. knowing of and knowing them, do you know the recipe? Like what do they, what do the successful ones have in common? Mm. It's very interesting. Like I, I know this is going to, sound very cheesy (laughs) okay um but i believe the most successful family businesses are the ones who know who they are Uh if that makes sense yeah and i mean like know who they are and know what they are with everything that that entails meaning Uh family businesses that are honest with themselves are the ones that will prevail. And I think it's the same with people, right? Like, I think this is, this is just, and again, um, sweeping generalizations aside, I think this is a real truth. I think family businesses who have their why sorted out their purpose, uh-huh. they remain agile somehow, Russ. It's really yeah. interesting because they're so confident in who they are that what they do almost matters the least mm-hmm. because it's their, you know what I mean? Like it's their sort of like ability to be an enterprising family. And even if tomorrow their industry disappears, they will be successful, right? Like they will be there to create legacies and to continue. And I think, so yeah, I think um, purpose, identity, values, that's always been things that have very strongly shunned out of like those examples where you've seen that the success has just been incredible. Like, yeah, just, just knowing who they are. And I think it's a difficult one because it's sometimes, you know, when you, when you ask a family business, what's your purpose? Um, you'd be shocked at how many haven't gotten that formulated. Yeah. Right. Like ha- haven't, haven't put any thought into it or like, are are unsure actually as to what the response should be to that question. Yeah, completely. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's something that can evolve, right? Like it's something that can expand or like, you know, become more narrow and maybe every generation should be allowed to contribute to, to it. Um, but overall I could, I think we can safely say that the families, at least also the families that are happiest, you know, working together, whether that leads to big or small success, um, are the ones that have that shared purpose and, mm. you know, those, those common values. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's one thing I can almost safely say <laughs> that it's uh, that it'll lead to, um, at least it'll lead to a higher probability of multi-generational success. Yeah. Completely agree. I think it's a, a great point. Um, thank you very much for your time today it's been um fantastic chatting to you and finding out about all the various things that you are uh, involved in and uh, long may they continue as well uh, and how can our audience find out a little bit more about you and the the podcast the magazine and the forum and 
Uh, well, I mean, uh, thank thank you very much, Russ, first of all, for for inviting uh, inviting us. And um, um, I think that um, well, you know, we can we have newsletters on all those uh, <laughs> on all those platforms, so you can. Uh, I'm sure Russ will uh, do us a favor in including a few links uh, completely in, yep. this, uh, in this transcript as well. So definitely, you can you can stay in touch by subscribing to newsletters. Uh, we encourage very much you follow us on social media. All of these platforms have social media presences. Interact mm -hmm. with us, and most of all, don't be shy. Reach out. Um, you know, we all have all the email addresses are there. So reach out with ideas, etc. As we said, it's a conversation. Content creation is a conversation. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, so reach out with your ideas, talk to us, uh, connect with us and uh, yeah, let's grow the community around this topic, right? Like let's, yeah, let's, get, uh, let's grow bigger and better basically. Fantastic. And as you say, we will link everything up in the show notes so that people can find you. Um, when the episode goes live, we'll also um, tag you up in the, the various social media platforms as well. Um, oh, so, thank you. So people thank can you. find amazing. you that way. Um, and so, yeah, so thank you very much indeed. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay. Thank you very much, Russ. Thank you. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.